just a good word today. We are talking about faith, and today is no different. Um, and today, particularly, we're going to talk about stretching your faith. Stretching your faith and faith memory. So I don't know about you all, but I, my faith has really been stretching as a result of the teachings that have been going forth Sunday. And then how many of y'all are here Wednesday night? Amen with Pastor Terrence? Amen, amen. That was awesome. There's no excuse for us all to not be stretching in our faith as a result of these teachings and go into higher and higher and higher and higher levels of faith. How many of y'all, when you were younger, did you have like that gray box Nintendo? Like the gray Nintendo? Yeah. So I had one of those um, and only had like the standard games. I had Tetris. And I would play, I'm not much of a gamer, I'm not that good, but I would always get to a certain level in Tetris. I think it was like level nine or something like that. That was when they'd all just start coming down and it'd be over in about 10 seconds. Um, I would always get stuck there. And I feel like as a result of these teachings, where we have been stuck in the past, God is trying to raise us up, hallelujah, to another level in our faith. Amen? Amen. So, Pastor gave a shout out to the runners of Lifeline Church that are doing the marathon. I'm a new runner. And when I first started running, I could barely run a couple blocks. You know, not even a couple minutes. Especially not the two and a half hours that I needed to run to run my half marathon last month, which was 13.1 miles. Amen. You can give a clap. Amen. <laughs> it was a big accomplishment. And these people today are running t- double that. I, and that's why I can't even imagine doing double what I did. Um, but the thing is, I started from nothing. And a lot of times with our faith, when we're going about new levels or whatever, um, you think that as you're training and training and as you're going through it and you're preparing that you think, it's going to get easier, that it's not going to require as much work or effort anymore. But what I've learned is, no matter how many times I've run, it still requires work and effort to get up out of my bed and run again. <laughs> like, it, it never, like, no matter how much you're using your muscles and all of that, it still requires work. Like, even, like, two or three days before my half marathon, I, in, in preparation for it, I ran two miles. So the half marathon is 13 Point one. I ran two. That was one of the most challenging, more difficult runs that I had had. And then, you know, your mind and the enemy starts playing tricks with you. You can't even run two. How are you going to run 13, you know? But that's, that's what happens when we're going to new levels. With new levels, there's still faith, or there's still effort and work that's required. You know, the same thing, I also do strength training and a little CrossFit and, um, a little high-intensity interval training. And with that, I've been doing it three to four times a week for almost a year. And it doesn't get any easier. Every workout, it's still, I'm still drenched in sweat. I'm still tired. And it's like, why isn't this, you know, I'd ask my trainers, like, do y'all still get tired? And they're like, yeah, we get tired too. And it's still that same effort, that same work that's required because you're pushing your limits. And just because when I started, you know, I could swing like a 10-pound kettlebell, now I can swing a 40-pound kettlebell. Because I'm constantly lifting the weights and lifting the limits. The same with our faith, amen. Faith requires work and effort, amen. Just because you easily believed God last year for your car doesn't mean that this year's faith project for your house is going to be that much easier. It's still going to require work and effort. Um, You know, as Pastor said, there are levels of our faith. There's levels of our faith. So we should be constantly moving to new levels in our faith. 
And what I've realized is, um, you know, as believers, we are overcomers. And Pastor told us we're not survivors, right? Say, I'm an overcomer. Not a survivor. So as overcomers, sometimes the mountains in our life, the obstacles in our life, we think that the only way to victory is for God to actually remove the mountain. Like, that's the only way. But what I've realized is, you know, and even like with my workouts, it's like, oh, Lord, remove the soreness, remove the tiredness. But I realize is God, as overcomers, some obstacles God will leave there, and he is going to show you how to rise above them. Go, go above them, tackle them, hurdle them. Um, so, you know, you can rise above a low credit score. Amen? Amen? I've seen it done in my life. You know, my mom had, like, a low credit score. We grew up um, very, um, not poor, but just middle class, a little bit under. I didn't realize we were because people have got she was a good mother, that she did, she shielded me from that. Amen. That's what they're going to talk about today, parents encouraging parents. Your children should not know the hardships that you are going through. Amen. They shouldn't have to carry that weight as little children. So I had no idea. I'm thinking us taking the pennies to the bank in the summertime is fun, and I didn't realize she buying food and toilet paper with that those pennies. But anyway, like so when it came for me in law school in D.C., I didn't have anywhere to live, and I was trying to get this apartment, and it was just taking forever, and they needed to run my mom's credit um, credit check or whatever. She was like, oh, no, you know, she told the lady, no, don't run it, it's bad. And the lady's like, oh, no, no, you know, we should run it. And I'm like, yeah, run it, because, well, that's how I'm going to live. And, <laughs> and she's trying to be all hovel, like, no, no, it's really bad. And the lady's oh, it can't be that bad, it can't be that bad. So they ran it, and the lady was kind of like, well, you know, this is kind of, you know, she didn't necessarily say, oh, this is great now. She was like, well, this is kind of, you know, lower, but, you know, let's see. And then God worked it out where I still got the apartment, regardless of it not being an ideal credit score. So don't tell me that you can't rise above obstacles or mountains in your life. We got to have faith in God. He knows what he's doing. I taught here earlier in the year about God knows what he's doing. And the the whole point of it is we try to get so focused on the path, the method that God is going to give us to our victory. If victory is certain, I don't care if my route is route A and your route is route B. Amen? Amen. If victory is the outcome, if we're all getting the victory, then praise God. Amen? Amen. So God really, hallelujah, has been stretching my faith in these teachings. Um, You know, and one more thing, just talking about working out, when I think about my faith stretching, I also think about um, the stretching that I have to do, you know, when I work out and everything like that. And I've learned three things about stretching in the natural that relates to our faith stretching. One, some of it is not easy. Some of it is very difficult to do, but it allows me to do things that I could not do before. Amen. Some stretching is difficult, and, um, but it allows me to push past my normal levels of comfort. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to push past our normal levels of comfort in terms of our faith into the supernatural. Amen? Amen? You stretching your faith will allow you to believe and act on things that you could not believe and act on before. Amen. You stretching your faith allows you to believe and act on things that you could not act on before. And not only do it once, but do it over and over and over again so that it becomes regular. The second thing that I've learned is that unless a muscle is adequately stretched, 
You can harm or injure yourself. Amen? Amen. Like, I wasn't stretching my quad muscles like I should. And as a result, my knees were hurting because I was putting added pressure on a body part that should not have been receiving that pressure had I not stretched my quad muscles. So we need to do the same thing with our faith. We need to stretch the measure of faith that God has given us so that we can receive the fullness of the abundant life that is in John 10, 10 that God has promised us. Amen. Unless we stretch it, we won't fully see or realize all that God has for us. So the third thing I learned about stretching is that there's this concept called muscle memory. Muscle memory. And it's a type of movement that you do over and over and over again. And eventually it becomes, um, um, your muscles become familiar with it um, as you do it over and over again, as you do it over and over in time. And eventually it becomes an unconscious process. You know, there's even muscle memory with Brother Chris playing the um, organ. Um, as he, he doesn't have to think like, oh, I'm playing a C chord or, oh, I'm playing an A chord. His muscles naturally go to that. And the same thing with our faith. Even though it requires work and effort, as we continue to use it over and over again, your, your faith memory is going to pick up. And, and you'll be faced with life, a situation in life, and your response time is going to be quicker. Your get-up time is going to be quicker because you have used your faith over and over again. Amen, amen, amen. Are y'all excited? Let's stretch our faith today, people of God. Hallelujah. Turn to John 10.10. Let's get started. Amen. Amen. Let's stretch our faith and our faith memory through the Word of God. John 10.10 out of the Amplified is what we've been reading. Because we know that faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So today, today I'm going to make the case for stretching your faith. So as an attorney, I have had to make a case or for something. And for one position or another. And as the way that you do it is you present evidence um, in your favor. Well, today we got the word of God. Hallelujah. That's our evidence. And we already know it's in our favor. Amen. Amen. So John 10, 10, may it, may it please the court. I present to you exhibit a John 10, 10. Amen. So the thief comes only in order to steal, kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows, till it overflows. So we see here in this one scripture, we see two competing plans, two completing agendas, two strategies, as Pastor Terrence mentioned Wednesday, two reports. You got the enemy's plan, which he makes it very clear. He makes it very clear what his plan is. He doesn't try to hide that his plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. So we shouldn't be surprised when he tries to steal, kill, and destroy in our life. Amen? But then we see God's plan is that we have abundant life, life to the fullness. Amen. Life so that it, like it overflows, life in all of its fullness. That's what God wants us to receive. And the thing is, with those two plans, they're not of equal weight. The enemy's plan isn't the same as God, like, oh, well, we don't know, 50-50, what's going to happen? No, as long as we receive and believe God's plan, it shall happen in our lives. Amen. It is certain. Amen. If we believe and trust and rely on it. So, God wants us to have an abundant life. That's exhibit A. 
Turn to 2 Corinthians 1.20. And I'm going to read it out of as many versions as I can. We're going to start with King James because I want you to see what God has promised us in his word. So let's start with King James, 2 Corinthians 1.20. Amen. So for all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. All the promises of God All the promises of God in this word, all of his promises are yea and amen. So let's pull it up in the NLT. NLT, New Living Translation. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. Amen. Yes. Say yes. Yes. And through Christ are amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. So for all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. Amen. Fulfilled meaning already done, already completed. Amen. Let's pull it up in the Amplified. Amen. So the Amplified, for as many as are the promises of God in Christ, they are all answered yes. They are all answered yes. So through him we say are a man to the glory of God. Um. Yeah. It's first first or second Corinthians one twenty. Amen. But I just read it to you. The Amplified says, For as many as are the promises of God in Christ, they are all answered yes. They are all answered yes, so through him we say our amen. Let me read it in the Living Bible. It says, He carries out and fulfills all of God's promises, no matter how many of them there are. And we have told everyone how faithful he is, giving glory to God, to his name. Amen. So it tells us here, no matter how many there are, there are many promises in the word of God. We don't have to pick and choose the top three or top five or top ten, as many as they are. He carries and fulfills them out. Amen. I'm going to read it in the message last. Amen. Starting 2 Corinthians 1, 20. We'll go through 22. Amen. Whatever God has promised, get stamped yes. Get stamped with the yes of Jesus in him. This is what we preach and pray. The great amen. God's yes and our yes together gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes He's stamping us with yes within us by his spirit. He has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. People of God, amen, we have been stamped with yes, all of his promises. Hallelujah, our yes and amen. That's exhibit B, amen. That's a good exhibit. Amen. Amen. But here's what the enemy's job is. The enemy's job is to flood your senses, flood your ear gates, flood your eye gates with a nose, with you're disqualified, you don't count, you lose, you are ineligible, you are excluded. And all of those things make victory and make the yes that we've just read about impossible and uncomfortable and unlikely. We have to believe that yes, yes, the word of God, that yes, all of the promises are yes and amen. Amen. Thank you. Exhibit C. Let's turn to Psalms 37 and 4. Amen. All of his promises are yes and amen. 
And you can just pull it up in the King James. And we know this, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. And what I've learned about this exhibit, Exhibit C, is that, you know, a lot of times as I grow closer to God, as I grow closer in knowing about him, knowing how much he loves me, as I grow in my worship, he transforms the desires in my heart to his desires. Amen. So that's why we don't, be, we don't have to be disappointed because we, he wants to see his will fulfilled in our lives. So as he's transforming our desires, just like Romans 12, 2, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's giving you his desires. And we already learned just Wednesday from Pastor Terrence that if God has already placed the desire in your heart, that means he's already done it and he's already exceeded it. Amen. Amen. It's a sure thing. You know, Pastor Reggie talked about a few weeks ago how we have to dream again. And I'm here to awaken those desires that in your heart that have been lying dormant, that you tried to bury because of disappointment or you waiting or whatever. Faith requires you to, to pray to God on the level that you can see those things manifest in your life. You know, God, God wants us, wants his will to be fulfilled in our life. And you try to bury those desires, but then you're wondering why you're walking around feeling discontent and not completely satisfied. It's because you have unfulfilled desires in your life that you need to fulfill in order for you to feel the fullness of what God, God has placed in you and what God has done for you. And the thing is, those things that are buried, you need to unbury them today because this is the season of Amos 9.13. Amen. Amen. Y'all should have that ringing in your ears. This is our season. One thing happening after another. Amen. Amen. So it's time to awaken desire in order for us to truly live the abundant life that God has for us. Amen. Exhibit D, I present to you Romans 8.32. We're just building our case. We're building our case for stretching our faith. Romans 8.32, you can read it out of King James. Said, he that spared not his own son... But delivered him up for us all. How shall he not? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Amen. Amen. This is, this is God. He, he gave up his own son. And if we truly believe that God, that God will give us the desires of our heart, like we just read in Psalms 37, 4, and we believe this, that God is a generous father, that, that, that he wants to give good gifts to his children, then our faith needs to stretch to reach that. Amen? We need to stretch to reach that word. Amen? Amen. Let's turn to Exhibit E, Hebrews eleven six. Hebrews 11.6, and we can read it out of King James. Or I'm going to read it, we can read out of, yeah, we'll read out of Living Bible, amen. So it says, you can never please God without faith, without depending on him. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that there is a God and that he rewards those who sincerely look for him. 
Amen. You can never please God without faith. So all your other offerings, all your other things, if you have not faith, you're not pleasing him. And anyone who wants to come to God must believe that one, there is a God, but that he also rewards those. Amen. Amen. So the thing is, even the demons believe that there is a God. They know that there is a God. That's that's not just the end of our requirement. We have to know and believe that if we actually use our faith, that God will reward us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So the thing is, we have to look to him. We, we, We must believe that he exists. And I can go on and on giving you exhibit F, G, H, you know, Psalms 84, 11, no good thing. Amen. Will he withhold from them who walk uprightly? We got Romans 10, 11, that whoever believes on him shall not be put to shame. So we won't be disappointed in our belief and our reliance on him. So I can go on and on, but right now I rest my case. Amen. Amen. I rest my case because when we think about it, Jesus said the same thing on the cross. He said, it is finished. Amen. His word is already fulfilled. Amen. So your instructions, members of the jury of Lifeline Church, now that you have heard all the evidence presented today in this case to stretch your faith as judge of the facts, it will be a violation of your duty to base your verdict on anything other than the evidence that has been received in this case. Amen. So let's review the evidence. Let's review the evidence. God wants us to have an abundant life. John 10, 10, all of his promises are yea, yes, and amen, a resounding yes and amen. If we delight ourselves in him, he will give us the desires of our hearts. God is a generous father who graciously gives us all things. Amen. No good thing will he withhold from us who walk uprightly. We won't be put to shame and he rewards those who diligently seek him. And I can go on and on. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, that goodness and mercy shall follow me every day of my life, where long life shall he satisfy me and show me his salvation. So if we know all of this stuff, what is holding us back from believing God at his word and acting in line with what you believe? Because if you don't really believe these things, here's what you do. You, you pray small. You, 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 you don't expect anything. You pray pitiful survival prayers of, Lord, help me get through today. Or, Lord, pay this light bill. You don't, you're never reaching up to new levels in your faith. And if you can't believe God on that level, you're not going to even begin to act on that level. And you're going to be sitting there wondering why everybody's going by and going from glory to glory and you're still where you are. You know, if I might quote Jesus, Matthew 8, 26, he said, why are ye fearful? Why are you fearful? Just like Brother Witt said, fear not. Oh, ye of little faith, why are you fearful? You know, because that's all it is. It's fear. And a lot of times when we talk about, oh, when I'm stepping out in faith, it's going to involve some sort of risk. Like, oh, it's risky. Oh, it's risky. Well, look at the definition of the word risk. It's a situation involving exposure to danger, to harm or loss, the possibility of loss or injury. Now, people of God, what piece of evidence did I present mention God exposing us to danger, harm, or injury? Amen. Nothing. The only piece of evidence that even comes close to that is John 10, 10. And that's what the enemy's job is to do, to steal, kill, and 
destroy. So we're talking about operating through God's word, through faith and action. There really is no risk. You've been, you've been using the world's terms as it relates to biblical principles. There really is no risk. Now the thing is, when you're in the midst of a storm, when you're in the midst of life, it may seem like, you know, you, there, there's risk involved and that there's danger. But the thing is, all of that stuff is subject to change. Amen? Because it's based on what you can see. Amen. We have to believe that God's word is good and he is not a lie. Amen. So when I look at the word risk, all I see is fear. So stop saying this is risky for me to do this. If God has put it in his word, then you need to believe it and you need to act on it. Amen. 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 Because we act in line with what we believe. We act in line with what we believe. For example, we believe that if we place our foot on the brake of a moving car, that it will stop. But me just believing that without me applying my foot to the brake means nothing. We have to act on our faith, people of God. And the way we act on our faith, which I'm going to focus the remainder of t- today on, is 2 Corinthians 4.13. Turn there. 2 Corinthians 4.13 out of King James Version. Amen. One of the primary ways we put our faith to work is by speaking it back to him. So 2 Corinthians 4.13, King James Version says, We having the same spirit of faith, the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore I have spoken. I believe, therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak. We believe And therefore we speak. Amen. So turn to Genesis 1. Let's go walk through this out of King James, just 1-1. We'll start at the beginning. Amen. We believe, therefore we speak. So it says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Amen. And let's go down to verse 6. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Amen. And if you even go down to verse 9. And it says, and God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. So what, what do we see God saying? He said, let there be. Now notice what God did not say. We're talking about speaking God's word back to him. God did not say if it be possible. Amen. Amen. That wasn't there. It didn't say if it be possible, let light appear. No. It didn't say, if it be your will, let light appear. Amen? But this is how we pray incorrectly. We say, oh Lord, if it's your will, heal me. No. No. Let there be healing in my body as according to your word. Amen? Amen. So he spoke and saw. He did not put any ifs. Stop praying with ifs. If you add an if in your prayer, if it pleases you, if it's your will, if you know the word of God, you know God's will. So you can remove that if. As soon as you have inserted that if in 
into your prayers, you have inserted doubt and uncertainty. And all of that is overriding and overriding the faith that you need to see that promise fulfilled in your life. You have inserted a level of doubt into your prayers that's canceling out what you are praying from God. So don't act surprised when you don't see it if you're praying if. Amen. Let's turn to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 out of the NLT. Jesus is going to make this even clearer for us. Amen. Mark chapter 9 out of the NLT, verse 14. Hallelujah. Amen. And when, they, when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them. And the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed. And running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which have a dumb and um, a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he take of him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, but they couldn't do it. And he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer suffer you? Bring him unto me. So they brought him unto him, unto Jesus. And when he saw him straightway, the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and, and, and started foaming. And he asked the, Jesus asked the father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, oh, of a child. And oftentimes it cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. And, but he said, but if, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. But if Thou can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believe. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believe. And straightway, the father of the child cried out with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. If you can believe, Jesus said to him. So there's this man coming to him. The disciples couldn't heal him. And, you know, and the man is asking Jesus, if you can heal him, if you can heal him, Lord Jesus. You know, he knew what Jesus was. He knew Jesus to be a healer. But the thing is, he came up to Jesus saying, you know, if you can do this. And and the NLT basically said, Jesus said, what do you mean if I can What do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if you believe. The message on verse 23 says, Jesus said, if, there are no ifs among believers, anything can happen. There are no ifs among believers, anything can happen. So stop praying with ifs. Stop praying with uncertainty. Stop praying with wishing and hoping. I sure hope I get a job. No, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Stop saying I hope my loans get paid. No, he has given me the power to obtain wealth. Stop praying I hope Jesus heals me of this. No, by his stripes we are already healed. Stop mixing in doubt and unbelief in your prayers. You are sabotaging your own self. You should not expect to receive anything from God by mixing in doubt and unbelief in your faith. We need to believe and receive.
24. Amen. We need to believe when we pray. Out of the King James Version, Mark eleven twenty four said, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when you pray, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So, so when you're praying, that faith already needs to be there. And, you know, because at the end of the day, God is not moved by our tears. He's not moved by our begging. He's not moved by our, you know, um, you know, people just wanting to survive. You know, he's not moved by bargaining with God. If you do this for me, Lord, and all of that kind of stuff. He's moved by his word released in faith. Amen. He's not moved by your emotions, by your tears. He, you know, and sometimes people will say, and they'll say to me, I don't feel comfortable praying about a certain thing that's in the Bible. You know, I don't feel comfortable. I have a hard time praying, you know, for me to be married in the Bible. Well, the thing is, if it's already in God's word, that means he's already promised it to you. So that means you need to build up yourself in the word in that area so that you are comfortable to pray to God on that thing. Amen. You got to build up your faith. You got to surround yourself with the very thing that you're asking or seeking from God. Amen. So that it becomes normal and ordinary to you. So it's not a shock to you. So maybe you need to surround yourself with some wedding magazines and go to some weddings to see that anybody can get married. So you can too. Amen. Amen. You got to build up your faith memory in that area. If it's a promise in his word, that means he has already promised it. He's already made good on it. He has already released it. And you just have to come boldly to the throne of grace to receive it. That is all you have to do. We don't even have to feel like it's so. Amen. If God says it's so, it is so. Amen. Rejoice in that. If he says it's so, it's so. So when we're challenged in believing and using our faith and taking our faith to other levels, you got to ask God to strengthen you in that level. He, he, he liberally giveth once we ask so that we can stop praying these pitiful, doubt-ridden, unbelief prayers. Amen? Amen. How many times did Jesus say it's according to your faith? It's according to your faith. So you got to use your faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Unbelief excluded even the Israelites from receiving the rest that God had promised them. You know, Jesus was even hindered uh, in certain areas from healing as much as he could have because people's unbelief, because they could not receive what he was giving them. Amen. Amen. So we need to believe people of God. We need to remove the doubt and unbelief from our prayers. One more thing that we do. A lot of times we'll pray and then after we pray, we'll say we will see. You know, oh, well, we'll see. And you're not saying it like we'll see in the way of like, we'll see what I just prayed. You, you, you saying it almost questioning, doubting, you know, trying to kind of weigh your outcome. And you're like, well, you know, I prayed, but we'll see. It may happen the other way than what I prayed. Stop praying. We'll see. We'll see what? We'll see what we've already prayed, what his word has already given us. Stop ask, adding an option of disappointment into your prayer. From the onset, you need to believe God that he can and will do what he says he can and will do. And, and that, 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 that we are who he says we are. Amen. We got to believe God. Faith 
shows God that we have more confidence in his eyesight than ours. Amen. Our eyesight is limited to, you know, somebody got glasses, I got contacts, and you're limited to what you see in straight ahead. You may have a little peripheral vision. God's eyesight is all over. He sees the beginning from the ending. Amen. He is the Alpha and Omega. He knows what is coming up the road. So we need to have faith in his eyesight and not ours. And if we don't use our faith, there's nobody to blame but ourselves. God is not to blame because in his word, as we have already established, he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. There is provision for every one of our needs and even our desires. God is ever mindful of us, people of God. God left us an inheritance, his word. Amen. And the thing is, if you got a will, you know, a family member may have passed away and they left a will. And if you don't have it and you haven't read it and nobody told you, you know, say there's like a million dollars in a bank somewhere, you know, in South Carolina that only you can pick up with this certain code. But if you don't read it, you will never know. So you just sitting that money just sitting there unfulfilled. And the same thing with every promise in his word. If we don't read this word, we won't know what God has promised each and every one of us. And don't rely on the attorney to tell you what it is. If it's a million dollars, you need to read for yourself. Don't rely on Pastor Reggie or us up here telling you what the word says. You need to open it up. Show yourself approved. Amen. 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 So, people of God, when we are believing God... Um, We need to pray with confidence. And there's four things that we need to do in order to pray with confidence. The first thing is you need to find scripture on the promise or whatever you're believing God for. So find your scripture. That's the first thing. You've got to find the word to support what you are believing God for. Two, after you find your scripture, you need to believe God's word, which means you need to have and use faith. You need to believe God's word. Have and use faith. Third thing, you cannot consider contradictory circumstances. You know, you can't allow any doubt or unbelief to mix in or override your faith that you already have. You need to not consider any contradictory circumstances. What you see going around you. What you see by your senses. And four, you need to praise God, amen, for the outcome. Which is victory, amen? After you have prayed, you praise God and your job is done, amen? You will see it manifest in your life. Amen. Amen. People of God, my faith has been stretching. I just want to show you an illustration, an example, real life illustration of how your faith can stretch as a result of these teachings. So, back on the 13th of September, um, Sister Sonia um, gave a testimony. How many of you were here that Sunday, amen, when she gave the awesome testimony about healing um, for breast cancer. And we have a beautiful ca- uh, calendar here so I can map it all out for you. So this was the day, 13th, that she shared her testimony on healing. Now, unbeknownst to her or anybody else, I had already had a mammogram scheduled for the 15th, two days later. So as a result of me being here doing what I need to do, being in church, being in the service. I received faith that carried me two days later into my initial testing for my mammogram. Now, the reason why, even though I'm younger or whatever, there's a history in my family. My mother is a breast cancer survivor for over probably like 15 years or so. So they had wanted me to get started, and I don't care. 
test me, whatever, I know that I'm healed. Amen. So God had already prepared me. So anyway, I went to the test, didn't think anything of it, took the test, blah, 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 and um, kept moving on. Now, unbeknownst to me, a letter had arrived in my mailbox um, on the 18th, I believe, but I didn't open it up until the 22nd. Now, this letter, this is the exact letter on the 18th, said, thank you for your recent visit to our facility. Your screening mammogram performed on 915 shows need for further evaluation. So right here, this is like the negative report, right? So this was dated the 18th, um, but I didn't open it up, actually, because I don't open up my mail all the time right away, <laughs> until the 22nd. Now, right before, two days before that day, we had a meeting um, where we were deciding what we are going to do for Breast Cancer Awareness Month here in the church. And the Lord had put on my heart that I didn't want to share, and this shows you how laziness will, will really kill you and really hinder you. I, I was like, well, I think they should have like a confession or something that, you know, people should pick up, you know, to confess for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I knew as I released it that I would be the one that would have to <laughs> write this, that confession. So that's why I tried to hold it to myself at first. So I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, well, I think they should have. So that's how this came about. And that's what I started to prepare on the 20th, unbeknownst to me that I would actually need to start using it on the 22nd. Amen. Amen. God prepares you. So I had already written this confession, not even thinking I need it for myself, for other people. And God started having me confess it once I received that letter on the 22nd. Now, here's what I did on the 22nd when I received the letter. I didn't, you know, doubt or wasn't anxious. I was like, hmm, I was more annoyed, like, okay, whatever. I got to schedule these additional tests, you know, but okay, I got this confession now. I basically finished it. So the day that I finished writing the confession and emailed it off was the day that I scheduled my follow-up testing. I didn't tell my mother. I tell my mother everything. I didn't tell her because what I knew is I was in the house on the 13th. So my level of faith had already risen to another level that she was not privy to. So I was not going to burden her with the additional testing. I was going to tell her the outcome, which I already knew was victory. So what I did was I just confessed the confession every night. I just said it to myself. I didn't have to tell anybody. I didn't have to cry. I didn't have to do anything like that. I continued to just confess the word of God. So did the follow-up by myself, went to the additional testing, went to the ultrasound and all of that. And then I already knew the outcome before I received this 9, the September 30th dated letter, which said, we are pleased to inform you, hallelujah, that the results of your testing, and here's what they say, we are pleased to inform you, they say are probably benign, which means not cancerous. I crossed out the word probably. I already know they are benign in the name of Jesus. That's how you work and stretch your faith, people of God. test was performed, that all was well. But that's how you do it. That is what happens when life happens. And you cannot get derailed by the letter on the 18th. You, you gotta, and you gotta be in place. You gotta do what you're supposed to do. Had I kept this to myself and not wrote the confession, I wouldn't have gotten that additional word that I need to sustain me to get through that second letter and that additional testing. Amen? God knows what he is doing, people of God. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. God knows what he's doing. And I really believe that God wants us to have a righteous indignation for how we have allowed doubt and unbelief to mix in with our faith. How we have just sat around and, you know, and we just, we, we just sit around and wondering why, you know, we're angry with God. No, we have allowed things, certain things to go so far when he has given us authority, he has given us dominion, he has given us his word to speak back to him. And as we continue to allow and placate and shrink down in fear to sickness or disease or any other thing that God did not promise us, we need to have a righteous indignation to say, no, I want to read God's word more. No, I'm going to pray in faith. I'm going to pray his word back to you. So I pray, people of God, if you can lift up your hands, hallelujah, that God will light a fire in our prayers, that he will turn that grief and sadness into joy right now. Even a gr- even any grief or sadness or disappointment or frustration that may appear as to a delay in us receiving the manifestation of his promised word. We thank you, Lord God, that we will not throw away any of your promises. It is a still a sure thing. Hallelujah. We will use our faith in the name of Jesus and stick it out because we are going up, up, up. Amen. 